You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. We're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And even though we own them, we pretend to rent them. So this is the last of the soundtrack September or theme song September. Matt, what is the last one you rented? By, by popular demand, are watching The Goonies. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. I don't want to go on any more of your crazy Goonie adventures. The Goonies rely on three things. Good men. Good women. It jumped out from the bushes and almost killed us. And good gadgets. So join the adventure with The Goonies. Rated PG. Starts Friday, June 7th at a theater near you. Yes! (laughs) You asked for it. We watched it. We're going to talk with you guys about one of the most beloved movies of the 80s. And, uh, of course, dabble a little bit in its wonderful theme song as well. Because Goonies never say die. That's right. Even if they... What happens if they actually die? Do they? Um, well, none of the Goonies are dead yet, are they? I don't think they are. So we don't know. <laughs> we'll never find out. <laughs> I think Sloth is dead. The guy, the football player who played Sloth is dead, and the mom is dead. That's it. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, let's see here. You want to go through our little history with this, uh, which will probably be thorough, so hopefully we don't go too long. <laughs> yeah, right. My history with this is uh, kind of strange. I did not see this movie until I was about 18. Okay, I I think the first time I ever saw this was probably on TV. Because this came out in 85, I was three, so I did not go to the theater. And I don't remember us owning this until later on. So I believe the first time I probably watched this was either with my older brother or older cousins, but probably on TV. And it was on syndication a lot. Yeah, I know this one was on TV a lot, and I it was sort of like just like one of those things like... I know I'll probably like this movie, I'll get to it someday type thing, and then just for whatever reason it got by me, and then I was 18, I just got into college, and I had a bunch of friends, like I made some pretty fast friends in college, and they were all like, you've never seen Goonies, and I was like, I haven't, and I don't mean to, because it's like, it's not something that I think I would dislike or anything, I just missed it, I just, I caught it at a weird time, never saw it, and it popped that fucker in so fast and then i saw it and of course you know it's a classic yeah there's a lot of love for this film and and for every right reason because it's just absurdly fun at any age and i hadn't watched this in probably i want to say three four years and as soon as i popped it in fun instant yeah it's it is weird because i do feel like for a lot of people that love this movie they do have like this nostalgic fondness for it you know they remember watching it as kids and i don't have that i do 
I do appreciate this movie, but I don't have this like childlike view of this movie. Like I do wish I saw this movie when I was their age, you know, so that I could like go on the adventure with them. But I saw it as like an 18 year old and I was like, yeah, I'm appreciating this as a film, but I'm not like going on the adventure with them. Uh, this time watching it for the podcast, this is only the third time I've seen this movie ever. I, oh, this wow. is not one I've seen a thousand times. Again, not because I don't like it, but I saw it the first time in college, and then uh, either at the end of college or somewhere in between college and where we are now, um, I caught it in theater. So I saw it in the theater, and then now this time. So this is only the, ter- the third time I've seen this movie. Yeah, this is only the 57th time I've seen this <laughs> yeah, movie. I'm sure. So. I'm sure. Uh, and I didn't even have to write notes of the story in this. I did just to have structure for this, but I knew every scene from this from start to finish, almost like I would Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Dumb and Dumber. I mean, this is a movie I just had memorized, even though I hadn't seen it in a while. It's kind of amazing. It's like just imprinted in my young mind and I just grew up with it. (laughs) Yeah, my... Mine is actually kind of similar to not having seen it, but having hear people talk about it so much and everything like that, still just putting it on only for the third time I've seen it. I still know the movie beat for beat, you know, because so many people talk about so many of their favorite scenes or favorite characters. They show so many like clips of it on TV and things like that. I, I knew it like I had seen it 57 times, having only seen it the third time, just because it's so embedded in pop culture. <laughs> Oh, definitely. So, I'll go into the little bit of the, like, I don't know, dime store info fact here. Uh, the, the back of the card, the back of the playing card here, is, if you will. Mm-hmm. We've got The Goonies was released on June 7th, 1985, on a budget of $19 million, and it grossed 61.5 in the box office. $9 million its opening weekend behind Rambo 2. Hmm, that's a tough one. Yeah. God, that one. That's we should talk about that someday. That's a movie I've seen probably five thousand times. The Rainbow second two. one? Yeah. Oh. Not the first one. Not I've never seen the third one. Not I've seen the first one, but only like twice. But I've seen Rambo two thousands of times. <laughs> That's wow. I have not. So that would be that would be a reverse role. Reverse yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> so this ended up being tenth on the eighty-five list. Tenth in how much money it made in the box office. What I found interesting was I kept reading this is a cult classic. I'm like, when you're 10th on the entire year's list, are you actually a cult classic or are you just a classic? I feel like this is a cult classic that broke through. You know, like I think you would consider Rocky Horror a classic now. But it it began as a cult classic. I'm assuming because it opened number two and it was a Spielberg movie, it sort of wasn't gigantic. You know what I mean? Like it was a big movie, but it wasn't E.T. So that, that's how it had like a cult following. It probably had a giant second life on video. Uh, and now it's considered a classic. But I think, I think this one is fair to consider a cult classic in the beginning. Okay. All right. I see how that works. Uh, released by Warner Brothers and produced by Amblin Entertainment. And we have done a lot of these two companies' films. We have Wild Wild West for Warner Brothers and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Which, these are not on purpose. These are just movies we picked, and it happened to fall that way. Yeah, we were laughing because last week we realized that Earth Girls Are Easy was 
brought up and developed by Warner Brothers before they sold it off. Like Bill, and and like Bill and Ted, yeah. so it's crazy. And then a couple other ones on Amblin, we had American Tale, Five Goes West, and Ready Player One, which Ready Player One was exactly like Goonies here. It was distributed by Warner Brothers, and uh, the production, the main production house was Amblin. And I was like, well, that's nuts, because a lot of Amblin now is done by Universal. Yeah, most Amblin I, I, that I can picture in my head is Universal. So yeah. We, we took the two weird ones out. Uh, <laughs> and again, not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, we just, it's just like what we like and what we think you like us hearing about. <laughs> and here's someone that I... Every time I watch a Richard Donner film, which he directed this, I feel like, man, I do not appreciate, I do not appreciate Richard Donner enough. Every time I watch one of his films, because this man has done, in 76, he did Omen, 78, Superman. In 1980, he was famously fired from Superman 2, which now he has his own cut of it, right, which now, is incredible. Now they've restored it, yeah. And you've got Goonies in 85, Lady Hawk in 85, which you can go back and listen to us shit on that, because neither yeah. of us like it. Yeah, we take a dope on your childhood on that one. Sorry. <laughs> not really. It's not, not really. good. I don't like it. It's just a movie that I do not enjoy. <laughs> That's our opinion. And it's fact. Yeah, and it's fact, because <laughs> if you listen to us, you know that we are very... Very, very staunch in our opinions. <laughs> We're not changing for anybody. Uh, 87, Lethal Weapon. 88, he did Scrooge, which, oh, I love Scrooge. Yeah, that's an amazing movie. 89, Lethal Weapon 2. 92, Lethal Weapon 3. 94, Maverick, which was, you know, Donner and... Um, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson wanted to do... Wild Wild West, but didn't want to wait. <laughs> so they did their Wild Wild West, basically. Which did much better. <laughs> yes. Which I like a little bit less than our Wild Wild West. Well, probably because it's not a train wreck. Yeah, because it's not absolutely bug-fuck-insane. <laughs> 97, he did Conspiracy Theory, and then 98, he did Lethal Weapon 4. And I'm going to tell you why I put Conspiracy Theory in there. Not only because Matt here loves his Conspiracy Theories. That's not true. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but another one was, I didn't realize how successful it was in the box office. I've seen it once. I don't remember a goddamn thing about it. I think it has Julia Roberts in it. I think it does, too. It's another Mel Gibson one. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't remember it, though. He better. I think he wears a tinfoil hat in that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I've definitely seen all four of the Lethal Weapon movies, though. And you know what? I like them all. Like, I'll, if you put on four, I'm like, leave it on. You know? Like, I don't care. I like all the Lethal Weapon movies. Two and three blend into one yes. movie. Yes. <laughs> it's like, I know what four is. I know what one is. Two and three, they're kind of mishmash. Yeah. But I like them. I'll still take them. Four is because it's got Jet Li in it and Chris Rock. And I'm yes. like, okay, well, this kind of maybe jumped the shark, but I don't care. Yeah, it's it definitely did jump the shark, but it's fun. Yeah, because Jet Li's fun to watch. That's right. Yeah, so. So is Chris Rock. <laughs> Here's another guy that I think I should fall in love with again. And uh, it's... Chris Columbus, who wrote the screenplay of this. And this is a story based from Steven Spielberg. So he came up with the story. Chris Columbus wrote the screenplay. Uh, I've had a lot of people think that this movie, The Goonies, is directed by Spielberg. And I always have to tell them, no, 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 no. This, he produced it. Yeah, that's like that same thing of like Nightmare Before Christmas. Everybody thinks Tim Burton directed that. But it's yeah, like, like, no, Henry Selleck directed that. <laughs> it's the same thing, yeah, for sure. 
And that's when we come off as the uh, old school hipsters. We're like, oh, it's a cinema snobs here. They're like, oh man, these snobs. And then they hear us talk about Wild Wild West so fondly, like <laughs> glowing. And they're like, oh wait, nope, they're just they're just them. They're just <laughs> they're just idiots that know a lot. <laughs> yeah, they just like know too much, but they still have crap tasted movies. And I love my crap tasted movies. You're <laughs> damn right. And l- listen to the first of all, this was a 120 page script. And I've always heard uh, each page is one minute, basically. Yeah. Uh, so he was going to make a two-hour Goonies movie. Yeah, that got cut. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, though. This is an hour and 54 minutes. Holy um, crap, really? I thought this was minutes. like 90 minutes. No, just because it flies by. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a credit to the editor there. Yeah. If you don't know Chris Columbus, you're about to learn his, his top hits. He wrote the screenplay for Gremlins and Goonies. But then he switched in the Amblin like entertainment field. He directed. Well, actually, I don't know if they did these, but he directed Adventures in Babysitting, mm-hmm. which is one of my all-time favorite kids movies. Home Alone, Home Alone Two, Miss Doubtfire. Then the bastard goes and writes and directs Nine Months with Hugh Grant, which I think made like three hundred million dollars and was probably shot for like ten. Yeah. That movie was everywhere. I mean, yeah. so was Mrs. Doubtfire. Those I know. two movies just lit the world on fire in the 90s. Well, and then this blew my mind. I forgot he directed two of the Harry Potter films. Yeah. He directed the two, in my opinion, most fun Harry Potter movies. I think the best ones are the later ones, like everybody does, but the most fun ones are the first two. And two feels the most like a Chris Columbus movie, in my opinion. I'll like take Harry your Potter word two. for it. They all, like, the... Uh, Harry Potter to me is part one where he's a little kid and part two where he's older. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't remember. I don't have any kind of insane fandom for Harry Potter. I've never read the books. I've just seen the movies and I've just seen them all once. Lady, so. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I can actually see the wand he, he brought. He's a liar. Yes, I'm a huge... What, what do they call Harry Potter I don't fans? know. Potheads? Because I am one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just like, I got a joke, I got a joke, got to use it. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, he also directed Pixels, so what the fuck? He directed uh, one of my, like, low-key, I think it's an underrated movie. He did uh, I Love You, Beth Cooper, which is, if you've never seen it, a really, really funny, super underrated, like, like late 2000s comedy, but it feels like an 80s movie. It's like it's like he dug up a script from the 80s and was like, I got some time. Let's make this now. It's really, really fun. I, I think you guys should check it out if you've never seen it before. You know what else you should check out? The eight-minute-long video about Goonies. Uh, <laughs> Goonies are good enough with Cindy Lauper. I watched it today. It's oh. so good. 
I like it. I, I'm going to say a bold statement here. I like it as much as I like the movie. It's almost like another movie. It's a little short that I get this. It's like The Goonies 2, basically, for me. Like, I love this music video. Yeah, I'm not going to go as far as to say it's better than the movie, but it's fun because, first of all, anytime you can get Captain Lou Albana, which is her father, right? Cindy Lauper? Yes. Yes. And you can get Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Iron Sheik and a couple other wrestlers all into one video. Of course, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. No, that video is amazing. It's, it oozes 80s because you've got the Goonies, you've got Cindy Lauper, you've got wrestling. It's like everything that an 80s kid would love. And it was everything I loved as a kid, even as a 90s kid. <laughs> when Rowdy Piper is yelling at the woman for baking the cookies and never eats her cookies, I was like, this is fantastic. Yes, I... I had so much fun watching this video because it was a time machine to 1985 for me. And this is a good choice for you when it comes to basing this off the, you know, like theme song or whatever, because the score to this is outstanding by David um, Grusens. Grusens? Grusens? I, I think it's Grusens. Yeah. Grusens. I don't know who this is, but what a great score that this movie oh, is. Oh, this has been sampled forever now. Yeah. Since 85. There's so many different things have used, either used his score blatantly where they just cut out portions, or they just basically molded into something else. And then, of course, probably give him or the other, you know, whatever company owns us a check. <laughs> yeah, and it's in it's in a lot of these, like, Warner Brothers promos and stuff, too. Yeah, he's... Oh, wow, what a score. Uh, knocked it out of the park. Okay, well, let's let Matt here break down the box art. Yeah, so we take a look at our... We watched the... I believe it's 2000? Yes, yes, this is the 2000 the, Warner Brothers. The 2000 Family Entertainment clamshell re-release of Goonies. This is when Warner Brothers, especially, was releasing VHSs and DVDs at the exact same time and adver- advertising them at the same time. So you'd see them always pop up. They're like, buy the VHS or the new DVD. This was during that period where like they were just selling both and both were selling. You know, both were still flying off the shelves. This was that weird time where like, DVDs and VHSs coexisted blissfully. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yes, it was a great time. It was a great time to be alive, kids. If you missed out <laughs> on it, those trips to Suncoast Video were the best. <laughs> well, essentially, it was the same thing as like what a couple years ago when we were selling DVDs and Blu-rays at the exact same time. Like you can still find DVDs in like three dollar, one dollar bins at Best Buy and Walmart, but it's dying down. Yeah, it's not the same because like. The VHSs, in 2000, VHSs and DVDs both were flooding. So there were just fucking thousands of them everywhere, and it was wonderful. <laughs> That's why none of them will be worth any money ever. Like, yeah, because- anything, if you bought anything from the year 2000 on VHS or DVD, you could just throw that away now if you're not watching it, because it ain't worth shit. Because <laughs> they made billions of them. <laughs> this has the family entertainment banner, which popped on a lot of the re-releases they put out. The cover is the classic image that has been on all the VHS releases that I can remember. Because I remember the poster, which is them climbing up. Uh, but the VHS that I remember, and the VHS that I have, is still this same cover. Which is the painted cover, and it's the Goonies surrounding the pile of gold with the skull in the middle. And it's like, you see them like kind of holding each other. Uh, Josh Brolin's like all the way in the back sort of lighting the scene and we see the background of like the ship 
slash looking like a cave type scenario behind them with the bats. And it's this yellow that sort of is all over the marketing for this movie, this sort of washed out yellow color. The gold, of course. Yeah, it's like a, that's pretty much what, it's like muddy, muddy gold. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and that's kind of the look for all the marketing of this movie. So we see all the kids, and it's the Goonies title treatment with the skull eye, which is awesome. They use it in the movie and everything. It says Steven Spielberg presents in a Richard Donner film. You guys have seen it. I'm not going to go too much into it. All right, what's the back of this look like? Flipping it over, we've got a review at the top here. A deliciously dizzy adventure with crowd-pleasing fun from the New York Daily News. Here's our description. If you've never heard of the Goonies before. And if, <laughs> and if you haven't, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, the Goonies, a tightly knit band of neighborhood friends, are breaking up. With greedy developers about to raise their area, the kids spend a final drizzly morning together, trying to find a way to say goodbye. Instead, they find an authentic 17th century pirate map and begin a dazzling, day-long quest for treasure rich enough to save their homes. They enter a subterranean world filled with caverns, crooks, skeletons, booby traps, and a once-mighty pirate ship, and a milk toast of a monster with swivel piglet ears and a face only Dr. Frankenstein could love. Co-executive producer Steven Spielberg, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, Jurassic Park, and director Richard Donner, Superman the Movie, Lethal Weapon, combined their cinematic wizardry on The Goonies, which is part Hardy Boys, part Treasure Island, part Our Gang, and 100% fun. Did I catch a milk toast in there? Yes. <laughs> yes. A milk toast of a monster, which is, of course, Sloth, who is not on any of the marketing for this, which is weird because we all know what it looks like now. No reason to hide it. Well, I don't <laughs> think he's on the poster either. No, but like... You think well, by may- the by the VHS release in the two thousands mm-hmm. didn't stick him on here? Well, maybe they just wanted to stick with keeping him secret. Yeah, maybe keep it keep did, it fresh. Do they fun. put him on the back? No, no. Look at we that. Just, we just get two stills on the back. Them crossing the log, and uh, them reading the map. That's all we get for images. In the, you don't need images in the back. Goonie sells itself. Like <laughs> I do love that they have two gigantic paintings of this because I've looked into buying the poster. Of this mm. and being at one that I can switch in and off in one of my poster frames. And uh, I looked and I'm like, oh crap, I have to decide. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd go with the theater poster because it's a little bit more dynamic. With them hanging from whatever, a rock or something. But this one's fun. This yeah, VHS it's... cover is fun and it has it's more stylized. Yeah, it, it, it's cool that they still went with a different painted image for the VHS. I feel like that's kind of rare. I think it is. It seems like it is. Uh, yeah, I no, no expert on that, but I feel like I don't see a lot of that. Like two distinctly different hand-painted images used for two different kinds of the marketing. Well, you realize if people were looking for that answer, they'd probably come to us and be like, well, you guys have a VHS podcast. Don't you know this? Go, We'd be like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We know this. We, Goonies. Of course, it's Goonies. Goonies is the only one. <laughs> we're going we're to stake that claim now. It's the only one. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Ever made. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> when we pop this tape in, which, okay, let's do the little what's coming soon. Now playing at a motion picture theater near you. And it's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff here. I hope you have it written down because I have already forgotten. <laughs> I do not have it written down, but I have an advantage. It's called the internet. Yes. 
And we've got them all uploaded on our YouTube page, correct? Yeah, so if you can find us at Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. Just put YouTube next to it, and boom, you can find this page. You'll notice our logo. And we've decided now to take these trailers, put them in a playlist, and you can watch them. So you can watch along with us. Except for the movie, because YouTube would definitely take that down if we put the VHS oh, rip of a movie on there. And <laughs> but you can watch along with the uh, trailers. In an absolute second. It would be <laughs> our page would be gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it starts off with a Batman FBI warning, which is awesome. Already putting you in the mood. Yeah, it's it's the animated series, of course. And mm-hmm. you see like the dark imagery from that opening credit sequence of the animated series, which, bar none, one of the greatest shows of all time. Loved it. I loved that and Gargoyles. Uh, just of that time, it was that dark. It was just a dark time during the 90s where like everything was uh, very stylized like that. Yeah, a lot of that like fifties futurism kind of look and the gothic mixed with like gothic. Mm-hmm. It was it was cool. It was a cool time in the nineties. Uh, I was obsessed with this show and the Beetlejuice animated series. Oh. I just watched those nonstop as a kid. Yeah, Beetlejuice was fantastic. Yeah, I remember sometimes I remember just as much about the animated Beetlejuice as the movie. Oh yeah, I remember very specific things that are only in the show. Yeah, loved it. Wonderful. So then we get a trailer, or a teaser, I should say, for Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which is something I've never seen. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I've seen it. It's it's okay. It's a good teaser. Yeah, I like, I like that there's actually a couple of teasers on here, mm-hmm. as opposed to like full trailers, which I think is super fun. Then the next thing to come on is just perfect. It's amazing, especially since we're watching this in September and October is right around the corner. We got the Warner Brothers Halloween promo for the 2000 release of this, and it's got Beetlejuice in there, which is just... Yeah, it's it's a really fun promo. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Be very, 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 very afraid. It's showtime. This Halloween, treat yourself to the ghastliest collection of characters ever created in haunting and hilarious hits. Like Michael Keaton in Beetlejuice. What do you think of this? You like it? Steven Spielberg's Gremlins. And the Goonies. Somebody's coming! Look out for the all-new Scooby-Doo's creepiest keepers. And Casper saves Halloween. Here I come! Frightening films that will make you laugh till it hurts. Check out all these classic frights and new delights. We're going to have some laughs. That'll guarantee you will see dead people. Now available on video cassette and select DVD. They'll leave you screaming for more. I'll bet every kid in America would like to have one of these. This shit, we always say this, this shit is why I love doing this. Mm-hmm. It's like finding these random promotional things, montages and things like that on these VHSs. And this one is super fun. Oh, it's so damn good because it shows the Gremlins, Beetlejuice, Goonies. You're like, oh my gosh, my entire childhood just jammed into it a minute promo. Yeah, and it's of course set to like all the Beetlejuice music because it's Halloween and it's like, get spooky this Halloween season. I'm like, oh my God. 
I'm so like I'm immediately taken back to like trick or treating, and I like want to go do it right now. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go trick or treating. <laughs> Let's do it. We had a Scooby Doo and the Alien Invaders teaser trailer, which I noticed Alex, which has been on this show, and you can always catch him if we're doing a Death Wish movie. Uh, he said he's actually seen this Scooby Doo. Yeah, I not, I never heard of this. Neither did, neither did I. Uh, I've probably seen this teaser on this VHS before, like as you know, not this VHS, but a another Warner Brothers VHS or whatever that I would have had as a kid. I've probably seen it, but I've never heard of this movie. Coming this fall, you will notice an eerie greenish glow. Your heart will beat faster. Your palms start to sweat. Suddenly, you know they are among us. It's the all-new movie, Scooby-Doo and the Alien Invaders, coming all 2000. It's just the beginning. Neither have I. I looked it up, and even when I saw like still shots of it, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, I missed this one. There's so many Scooby-Doo movies. There's so I've... many of them. I feel like in the late 90s and early 2000s, they were pumping out a lot of these direct-to-video movies. There's still, like, I just went to the Redbox the other day, and there's another new Scooby-Doo. There's already been, like, two that have come out this year. There's another new Scooby-Doo animated movie in the Redbox. Like, they keep cranking these out for, like, the last 20 years. It's awesome. I wonder if it's still the old theme, Scooby Dooby Doo. Yeah, they where they, are they, they get like a popular band to do a cover of it or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, I saw the Kiss one recently. It's pretty good. Scooby Doo meets Kiss. <laughs> That's not an old one. That's a That's new a one. That's a new one. <laughs> Jesus, it's super fun. Oh, uh, man, Kiss will do anything. Oh, for money? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we had uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer trailer, which is a movie I know about. I know the lure of it because apparently it's terrible, but I've never seen. Same. Heard of it. I've seen this particular like spot, this like 25-second <laughs> spot. I've seen this spot hundreds of times. Never seen the film. <laughs> we had a Space Jam trailer. Uh, the shorter trailer. Yeah, this is like a video trailer, right? Yeah, it's like by the DVD or VHS. Yeah. So yeah. what we were talking about earlier, here's an example of it. Yeah. So, and uh, <laughs> Bill Murray in it. Yeah. Like where it's like out of shape, Bill Murray. Where, I mean, this was during a, a time period where Bill Murray was, was getting some pretty bad roles. We had yeah, Operation he, Dumbo Drop and stuff like that. Yeah, this is the end of sort of the... Ghostbuster Funny run. Bill Murray yeah. before he became like Oscar movie Bill Murray. Which is one hell of a transition. Yeah. I, I love Space Jam though. I know that one is kind of gets mixed nostalgia. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I think it's great. Well, I'll tell you something that has zero to no opinion is my dog Skip. <laughs> yeah. Don't give a shit about this one. I've never seen it and I probably never will. Out of all the things I've loaded up onto this, it still has zero views. As, as the movie does as well. <laughs> Never seen it. All I know is it has Kevin Bacon in it. It doesn't have Frankie Muniz in yeah, it Yeah, it's a little Frankie Muniz. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure the dog dies in it. I don't fucking want to see that shit. That's true. <laughs> if anyone's seen that, let us know. Is it depressing as shit? I'm sure it is. I will skip my dog Skip. hey hey There's a better joke to be crafted out of that, but I'm not that smart, so. Don't you put yourself down. <laughs> I think that uh, did it. I mean, there was a really cool uh, coming soon animation 
now available on video that you can also see on it. But it this was a fantastic run of trailers, but it was outdone by one thing. The movie itself? Damn right. <laughs> feature presentation time. Let's get to it. And now, our feature presentation. Woo! This movie is great. I mean, great, great, great. Yeah, this is a super fun movie. I don't think we need to take the time to go scene by scene with this movie nope. because it's fucking Goonies and everybody's seen it. Yeah, I, my, I think because I don't have a childhood nostalgia for it, I don't consider this one of my favorite movies, but I don't, that's not shitting on it. You know what I mean? Like, I still really like this movie. I just think I need to have, I needed to have seen it as a kid to be like, this is the greatest thing ever. When I watch it, I'm just smiling the whole time. I'm like, this is a delight. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put this on like my top 25 of all time or anything. And I have no idea what my top 25 would be. I feel like this is one that's just, it's just so much fun. Yeah, it's just a delight. It's just a smile movie. I yeah. just put it on. I'm in a good place. Like, I'm just happy watching it. I did. I put this on on a, a weekday night and I was just like, oh, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> it's going to be a good night. Uh, I do love the breakout at the beginning. For the sheer fact of how this immediately puts us into the mood of like, it's gonna be wacky. Yeah, it's like, like whimsical and wacky. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and Mama is ugly. You know what else is ugly? Robert Davy. It's <laughs> exactly. So Sarah came in when I was watching the documentary on this and he's in it. And she's like, oh. Who is that? And I'm like, a very ugly man. <laughs> I will... Uh, He's also I, kind of a jackass, but that's why he plays jackasses so well. I will... I have a personal story with Robert Davey that I will share after we finish watching this movie together here. I have been waiting to hear this story. It's going to be live on air. Wow, people are going to know about my Robert Davey story. <laughs> I've been waiting since Thanksgiving of last year to hear this story. <laughs> Oh, uh, I hope I hope it lives up to the legend. It, it yeah, Goonies never say die. We'll say that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Joe Penantolio or whatever how you pronounce his name, uh, it's very Italian. I know that. Yes, Let's Pantaliano. See. I think it is Pantaliano. Yeah, okay, like yeah. Uh, Francis. <laughs> uh, I love how he's bald, and so like behind the scenes of this, these two did not get along. It was bad. They said at one time, they're like, I can't fucking work with this guy. It's not going to happen. So what they did was, I guess somehow they came to like a neutral agreement. And they essentially turned these two characters into them. Where they were constantly fighting for no reason. Because they got off on it now. Like They probably yeah. were like, oh, we get to shit on each other all day long. Well, Great. so in the documentary, they weren't in the same room. And they're like, yeah, we didn't get along and all this. But every time they told a story about them not getting along, they were laughing. So it's an odd, like, odd chemistry there. Well, probably also, too, because they never had to see each other again after the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to see uh, Joe. I mean, I wouldn't want to see Robert Davey either. Yeah, it's like Joe, Joe, Joey Pants, we'll call him, uh, went on to do The Sopranos, and Robert Davey went on to do a lot of direct-to-video movies. <laughs> I looked at Robert Davey's IMDb, and I'm like, Jesus, you played, like, a goon in everything. Yeah. Like, the exact same character over and over and over and right, over. Right, right. I mean, hey, it's a paycheck. It's Yeah, it's working. He's a working 
actor, I guess. <laughs> and then Anne Ramsey, which actually passed away only three years after this movie, The Mama. Uh, she, wasn't she in the Danny DeVito Throw Mama from a Train or something? I've never seen that movie, so I don't know. But I know her from uh, Deadly Friend, the Wes Craven movie. Uh, because Christy Swanson blows up her head with a basketball in that film. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's quite amazing. But I can't remember if she died in 88 or uh, 98. I think ooh, it was. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. I didn't. I, we don't do it. Don't I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and the, the, well, I guess Sloth is actually part of their family too, which was John uh, played by John Matz, Medzuk. Mazek, I don't know, whatever. He won a Super Bowl with the 81 uh, Raiders and then retired and went into movies. And he passed away sh- really early in life, too. So those are the only two that have died, which I think we mentioned earlier. But he does such a good job physically acting how sweet and kind Sloth actually is. Yeah, no, the performance comes through so well through all that makeup. Yeah. And like the animatronic face parts and stuff like that. Ne- the performance never gets lost in that. Uh, That's why he's so lovable and so memorable because that performance shines through all those prosthetics. Out of all these kids, Matt, if you had... We, we, we're we going to steal this from the Jersey Ghouls. If you had to adopt one, who are we doing? Are we doing Mikey the leader? Are we doing Bran, Josh Brolin, strong guy? Are we doing Chunk... The lovable fatty, who is also a klutz, which I forgot how much of a klutz he is in this movie. He's so fucking funny in this movie. Um, we have Mouth, uh, we have Andy, the cheerleader, or we have Steph, the cheerleader's friend. Or Data, you didn't mention Data. Oh, Data, yes. He because was the next one. Data's yeah. the one I'm going to adopt because he's fucking awesome. <laughs> you mean short round. Not short round, though. Data. I'm not data. Not sh- short round can stay the fuck away, but I will take data because yeah, he's great. He's he's so fun in this. He's so silly. Um, which one are you adopting? And then I have another question to follow that up. I'm not going to adopt Chunk because I want a house that's together. Yeah, you don't want him destroying everything. Uh, I don't want that. And uh, I think Mouth would get annoying. And since I do a podcast, he'd probably be like, "Can I be on? Can I be on?" Yeah. Also, he combs his hair too much, but when he speaks Spanish to the, I guess, Mexican helper, I don't I actually don't know if she was Mexican or just Spanish speaking helper, mover, helper, she's going to help us move because the mom's arm's broken, which I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, when he was telling her all that crap, I was like, oh, kudo, kudos. That's, yeah, he's pretty funny. That's funny. I think I have to go with Mikey. <laughs> the leader? Yeah. The leader? Because... Sean Astin, I just want to pinch his cheeks. Yeah, he's adorable as a kid. <laughs> um, now my follow-up question, though. At their age, this kid, these kids' age, mm-hmm. which one were you? Chunk. You were Chunk? Yeah. Klutz? Uh, not the Klutz, just the chubby kid. And I, my friends made me do the truffle shuffle, and I fucking hated the truffle shuffle. I just saw the most amazing thing in my entire life. First, you got to do the truffle shuffle. Come on. Do it. Come on! Do it! Which one was I? Um... Ooh. I'm gonna go, you were probably closer to... Mikey. 
I I am more of a Mikey now. I think in my yeah. life, as this age, I was fucking mouth for sure. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I was a I was a big shit talker. I was a big like. I just, yeah, a mouthy. I would talk my way out of everything. I would talk my way into anything. Like, I was definitely a schemer and uh, a little bit of a devious planner and uh, mouthy, for sure, and thought I was way cooler than I ever was. So right. I was I was a mouth until I was about, like, 18. <laughs> and then I was like, you need to calm down. And then I became a Mikey. <laughs> Did you notice in the transition of this when the the getaway was happening how well they introduced all the characters in like five or ten seconds apiece? Yeah, this movie does not waste any time with like exposition of the characters. It's not like, this is Mikey. This is what he likes. You know immediately who Mikey is. You know immediately who Mouth is. You know immediately who Dana is. You know these kids. And, And they don't tell you. They show you. Yeah, this testament to donner here like it's incredible when i watch this and i did not appreciate till this i did not appreciate that beginning breakout until now after breaking down all these movies for it i was like holy shit that's how you do exposition it's just like okay well chunk smashes his shake against the window and his pizza and then cusses because that's who he is and you're like damn Damn, Donner. Damn, Columbus. Damn, Spielberg. Damn. Yeah, they just knew it. They knew how to... You knew the bad guys. You knew Sloth immediately. You knew the Goonies immediately. Even the older kids that joined the Goonies, you know, like Brolin and the, the cheerleaders. Like, we know them. We know those kids. Yeah, well, Brand, being the guy who's working out and everything, they set up that he's kind of on the lower class. They're like lower middle class because he doesn't have a car like the rich kid who, you know, like when he's, they pop his tires to get away. So he has to get on the little kid's bike. Yeah. Like, you know his status. Yeah. You don't tell anyone. You don't, it's not like shoved in your face. We, we're not pretending that the audience has an IQ of like three. No, we're like, you know this kid. You know this yeah. kid that doesn't, like the cool kid that doesn't have a car and, you know, wants to get the car to get the girl type thing. Which, by the way, that scene where the rich kid from the country club Republican. <laughs> you said it, not me. Uh, yep. <laughs> I have no problem saying that because you know that's what they're doing. Yeah, no, that's exactly what they're doing. So he grabs him and then goes down the street like that as fast as he can and then lets him go to fly off the hill. And I'm like, you just murdered that kid. <laughs> you just murdered Brand. And I'm like, yeah, well, he, he's got like another hour of this film left. <laughs> yeah, no, like they, they don't care. They will murder for their status. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, but this is so much fun. It gets going. We go up to the attic. We find the map. We are immediately going into the restaurant, you know, which is, we find out they kill the restaurant owner. Chunk gets kidnapped. They find a secret passage. We've got Chunk trying to eat. The torture scene with Chunk and the family is great. But the worst thing I ever done, I mixed up all this fake puke at home, and then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then, then I made a noise like this. And then I dumped it over the side. Oh, and all the people in the audience, then, then, then this was horrible. All the people started getting sick, 
and throw it up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. No, this is now, like, I gave props to Donner. This is props to Columbus here. The dialogue in this scene is so funny. It's so funny. And then the, the way they cut back to him still talking, yeah. confessing, genius. Like, this scene gets me every... I was cracking up. Uh, like, again, I know this scene. I've seen this scene before. I've seen this scene a hundred times on TV. I know this scene. And I was crying laughing again. Well, and you can also tell... Robert Davey says a line in there where he, like, puts his arm around Chunk and he goes, I like this kid. You know, like, that's ad-libbed. I, I can't prove it. I haven't seen the script. But just his smile where he, I think he was literally like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this little actor is going. Yeah. Oh, man. And then, the, you know, they get down and we get to see all these booby traps. Yes. We see all the booby traps. Booby. Booby. They like saying booby because they're little kids and that's accurate. And it's awesome. And the way D- Data says it is yeah. just like the way I said it forever. You're right, right, right. When you're a little kid. Yeah. Um, still now. Booby. Um, but uh, I also love, and it's it's something that's been brought up a hundred times on probably a hundred different other podcasts talking about this movie, but I do have to mention it. The, the way the kids are able to swear and just mm-hmm. talk like kids actually talk is so nice because everything is so milk toast these days. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring that back from the back cover. Uh, everything is, is so, you know, safe and everything these days. So hearing kids swear and talk like they actually talk is real nice. Well played with that joke. I didn't even know I was going to do that. Like, that was not planned. It was lightning in a bottle. I was I was just like, what word to describe uh, kids' movies nowadays? I'm like, I know the perfect word. I just heard it. <laughs> it was about, I would say, 94, 95 up, where we, that turned into that. Because like, you uh, had, you had know, the, the Stephen so- King... Um, Stand By Me was, what, 92, 93? You had My Girl... Uh, no, Stand By Me was 85 also. Stand by me is eighty. Oh, that's right. It's an older. No, I'm thinking of my girl. My girl was early. My girl 90s. was ninety two. Um, yeah. I thought Stand by Me was like eighty seven. You might be right. I it's, don't fucking it's, know. It's that region. It's that area yeah. uh, in time. But yeah, my girl, and you had a few others. Sandlot, which Sandlot. their kids are acting like kids in that. Yeah. And then something happened, I guess, with maybe the whole. You know, uh, Tipper Gore bullshit. Which, like, yeah, yeah, but I don't think it got that bad until the 2000s. I think no, I, I think it was really a build-up. Yeah, like, yeah it, it started thinning out a little bit as the 90s went on, but like it wasn't until like 2002, like post 9-11, is really when kids' oh, movies well, that's... got way too safe. Yeah. Way too safe. I, I think the, the late 90s was really like practicing how to do this. But man, when, when 2002 hit... Yeah, it's like horror movies were great then, but yeah. like kids movies and fun movies were so bland and safe. <laughs> Comedies were all PG-13 and safe in like 2002. The world is bad enough. We can't have them watching something yeah. horrible. Yeah, no. Oh, what a boring time for movies outside of the horror genre. Horror movies are great after 9-11 because everyone was terrified. <laughs> yeah, you had horror movies and then the start of the comic book revolution. Yeah, That's... Oh, comic book movies, mm-hmm. yeah, but like... And Harry Potter. And Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> That's which, it. Which, to an extent, is sort of part of that safe. It's better, because it's better written, but it is still part of that safe kids movie stuff, I think. Oh, and all those beautiful Matrix ripoffs. Oh, God. 
so so many Matrix ripoffs. Yeah. Oh man, what a weird time for fucking movies. <laughs> Talk about something weird is uh, something. So I do have something weird and negative to say about this film. One scene. It's small. It's nitpicky, but the bats. When they all fly out of the like mm. little go, they're terrible. <laughs> well, you know what else looked pretty terrible, and might as well talk about it now. The octopus. I love that octopus. It's so bad. I love it though. No, I love <laughs> it. Like I want it. Um, oh, but what? like we did, we watched. Like they reference it in the movie, and they say like we saw an octopus. Yeah, when they were interviewed or whatever. Which and are you surprised they didn't cut that out? Yeah, I thought that was weird. Actually, knowing yeah. that there was an actual cut scene. So I, I knew the legend of the octopus cutscene. I had never seen it, though, until watching it for this podcast. And I watched it, and I was like, that goofy fucking looking... I love it, though. Like, I am not, I'm not shitting on it, but, like... Oh, I'll shit weird, on it. It's bad. <laughs> what a weird effect for this movie. But it's pretty funny. It's, it's pretty straight, adorable. It's straight out of a B-movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I And it was directed by the iconic Steven Spielberg. That entire scene was like he was doing, I guess you could say like second director. Second unit, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if you call it second unit because doesn't second unit usually do like filler? Yeah, but um, I I know Spielberg did a lot of this in the movies like he produced and stuff like that. He like, yeah, would come it's... in and do like one scene or in the case of Poltergeist, the whole movie. But <laughs> well, from what I read today, Sean Astin's book... He said that basically Richard Donner and um, Spielberg kind of split directing this. But it's funny when I watched both documentaries on this, it made it sound like no Richard Donner was like Richard Donner explained that he only shot a couple scenes. He shot he shot a part of the restaurant one where they're upstairs, you know, getting the drinks and everything. So Donner shot all that because all the stuff downstairs was done in a different location. Donner's like, yeah, I just trusted him. Didn't even see it. Same thing with the octopus. Donner said, it's like, I didn't even see that scene until years later. I didn't even know it was cut out of the movie. And I'm like, I just like kind of was like, what? <laughs> Donner was hired for this movie. Like Spielberg mm-hmm. was in charge. So if he wanted to do stuff like that, like Spielberg handpicked him. Yeah. This was specifically, he got this script together from Chris Columbus and he's like I have one man on mind it's Richard Donner and like to me I, I was looking at it, I go he's done the omen and Superman what was the one that he said you know what bingo that's my man I, sometimes I don't understand like how producers figure that out well I do think I think there are producers which it's like obvious where it's like, oh, this guy directed a slasher movie. Let's have him do the next Friday the 13th. There's that. But then there's other producers like Spielberg who see a moment in something. And I, I've, I've never seen Superman, uh, so I can't tell you what it is. But he probably saw like a moment and was like, that's my next movie. You know, like Spielberg is a brilliant producer. He's a fantastic director. But I think in a lot of ways, he's as good of a producer as he is a director because he was able to pick... I mean, the, the Amblin run in the 80s is fucking insane how good it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is incredible. I, I always love the story of how he got Joe Dante because he hired Joe Dante for Gremlins for the sheer fact that Joe Dante made the best Jaws ripoff. Yeah, with Ron. And Spielberg loves it. Loved it. And as soon as he got that script, Joe Dante was on the top of the like top five 
of who I want. And could you imagine being a producer at Amblin being like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, that's the testament to Brian Spielberg, I think. Like, yeah. he was able to see sh- something like Piranha and be like, this is my guy for Gremlins. <laughs> like, it's awesome. I love, I, I love Spielberg's choices. It seemed like it was impossible for him to make a bad one in the 80s. Yeah. And he's also in that music video at the very end. Of course he is. Yeah. Because <laughs> he can't figure out how to get Cindy Lauper out of the uh, the situation. And her her dire situation where she's on the log yeah. with the two sides, like mm-hmm. I guess pirates emerging on her. Like, yeah. Love it. Let's talk about this pirate ship. That's real. Yeah, that's an amazing fucking incredible set. Blew my mind. Have you heard the Josh Brolin story? No. Richard Donner wanted to get the reaction of these kids seeing the pirate ship for the first time. So he had them turn around. And when they looked at it, it was on video. Josh Brolin just said right out of his mouth, holy shit. And Donner's (laughs) like, cut. You're a goody. You can't. No. (laughs) And they said, don't face the ship. Go down first underwater. We have a speaker underwater. We're going to say action. Come up and turn around, and we're going to get your real reaction. Get your real reaction to right. seeing this amazing thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we go under. We, they, they back us in. We go underwater. They say action, and I turn around, and I go, holy shit. <laughs> and Richard Donner goes, cut. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're a goonie. You can't say that. I, I'm so sorry. It was just really cool. It's <laughs> you. Um, Goonies never swear. Yeah, right. Exactly. It was supposed to be the first cut that got in the movie, but we had to do it the second cut because Brolin ruined it. Because <laughs> he swear. Yeah. That's so funny. But still, that's a hundred foot pirate ship that was made. And sadly, they had to take it apart because they couldn't find anyone at the time to take it. I believe it. It's massive. It's huge. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do what with do you, it? Yeah, somebody else needs to shoot on that set at some other time, so you can't just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that pretty much... I mean, we skated through this movie because everyone's seen it. Do you have a favorite scene? Ooh, a favorite scene. No, and that's not a bad thing. I don't have a favorite scene. Like, I don't have a scene that I gravitate towards. I just enjoy it. I can put this movie on and just watch it. I don't have a favorite scene. Uh, mine is when Sloth takes his knife and like splits down the uh, sails to come and save them because he just watched it on TV. I love it when movies do that yeah. where they have a character watch something on TV and then they do it later on in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I it's really, really cute here. Like Sloth is so lovable at that point in I the w- movie too. I would watch a TV series with Sloth and Chunk. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't a Saturday morning cartoon, Sloth and Chunk. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't toys. There wasn't toys in this, right? I don't remember 80s toys in this at all. I don't I think there were. There's new ones now, like the McFarlane's and the Neckas. Yeah, but... Like that, but I don't think I remember any as a kid. I don't think there was. It's probably a cult classic thing. They probably didn't, you know, do anything like that. Well, they're lost, because I would have bought them. <laughs> yeah, as a kid. If I would have seen this movie in the 80s, like if I was alive in 85... And I saw this movie, I would have every fucking toy imaginable for this. Did you play any of the games? Because there were a lot, but we were very young. I usually say no to this all the time. Yeah. I have played the Goonies too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Nintendo. I did have that game. Played that game before I ever even saw this movie. Basically had nothing to do with the movie, but yes. you were playing as Mikey. I think all the Goonies had been kidnapped and you had to collect... 
one-eyed Willie's gold? Yeah. It is extraordinarily, stupidly difficult. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> like, I think I played this game at, like, half an hour increments and got, like, nowhere. And it was just like, I gotta switch this. <laughs> but I have played this game before. I have the gameplay in my mind, but I certainly didn't beat this. Oh, God, no. I... I probably got to like the second level and there that was it. <laughs> this I think, was a stupid hard game. Yeah, I think I only rented it. I, I definitely did not own it. And I don't own it today, which is I kinda want to now. I, I do. I still have You still got it? Yep. Good still for got, you. Still got it. Did you ever play or hear that they had a Commodore sixty four game, an Atari, and an Apple in nineteen eighty five? No. They must have scrambled to get those out for Christmas. I bet they were terrible. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're dog shit. Uh, the sequel for this, it's not going to happen. I remember constantly hearing that there was going to be a sequel where they're going to bring them back. I remember one script was it's all adults and they have to all come back for the town and get into an adventure. I heard another script was their kids were going to be the Goonies and yada. Just leave it be. And my, that's my opinion. I don't want to see anything for it. I'm going to agree with you here totally. I don't think there should be a sequel. I don't think it should be remade. Don't touch it. However, here's my, here's my caveat. If they make it, now's the time. Because there's some fucking incredible kid actors now. Look at Stranger Things. It, anything that has kids in it now. Like, they're way better than they were in the 90s. So, like, now's the time if you're going to do it. But, like, don't. But if you got to do it, do it now. <laughs> yeah, they better do it soon because they're about to run out of this like 80s nostalgia vibe. Yeah, no, like now is the time. Pull the trigger now or it, that's it. Don't do it. But mm -hmm. again, I don't think they should do it at all. But if they got to do it, do it now. Do it fast. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, this 80s thing is going to turn into a 90s wave and we're not going to care about the Goonies anymore. Speaking of fast, we're under an hour and we're heading towards the end here. The museum. Yeah, we're well, so, doing good. We did good this episode. Yeah. We done good. We done good. Now, Matt, do you recommend <laughs> <laughs> Goonies? I do. I don't, like I said, I don't consider it a favorite of mine like some people do. I totally respect that, though, for people that do, that grew up with this movie and love this movie. I did not grow up with it, unfortunately. I saw it later in life. I still really enjoy it. I think it's a whimsical, delightful, fun movie. Would, if I ever had kids someday, which I don't want to, but if I do, I would show them this movie. I say skip it, watch Mac and Me. It's not that good. <laughs> okay. In a, in a, in a deathmatch battle, if you only had to pick between Mac and Me and Goonies, I take Mac and Me, not because it's a better movie, but because your mind is going to fucking explode when you watch that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I was thinking about this one day. That my parents used to rent over and over Mac and Me, Space Invaders, and Masters of the Universe. Well, that's why you turned out the way and you gar did. <laughs> and Garbage Pail Kids. Until finally my parents gave up and just bought Masters of the Universe. <laughs> that's why you turned out the way yeah. you did. That's what you, that, what, that is what shaped your film taste, for sure. And I am not making fun of you. That's awesome. <laughs> It shaped my brothers too. Like, and when I tell them about, you know, we're doing this for the podcast, they're like, "You realize that movie's awful, right?" And I'm like, 
Yeah, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> it's awful, but you watch and see how many people are going to listen to that episode because we, all of us that grew up with it love that shit. <laughs> it's so hard to shit on those shitty films because I love them so much. I just want to give them a big old hug. That's, you know, that's how it felt Thanks. in Wild Wild West as well. <laughs> Thanks for trying. Yeah, right? Thanks for still holding my childhood. Are those movies the participation trophies of the world? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, let's head to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. All right, this is the part of the show where we put something in the museum. Good, bad, you know how it works. What's going in our wing? This is going to be tough. I'm going to start with Matt because I don't know. Ooh. This is tough. What do, what do I want to put? You know what I want to put in the museum this this uh, episode? My favorite sort of thing about this movie is the pretty much any of like the underground sets. They're incredible. I would like to put the set design in the museum for Goonies because yeah, the, the pirate ship is absolutely incredible. But that's their that's their you know grand piece. I want to give a shout out to like the caverns, the caves, the the every nook and cranny that they were, you know, looking through before they get to the pirate ship. It's incredible. All yeah. the sets are outstanding. So I gotta put the craftsmanship in the museum this week. It's a it's definitely a positive again for me. Speaking of like, I don't know, maybe underappreciated, the wishing well scene, mm-hmm. the shots in that are beautiful. I mean, just actually the like, shout out to the cinematography here. Yeah. This is such a well shot movie too. <laughs> well, I forgot how well shot it was until I was paying attention to it for this one. I was paying attention to the score. I was paying attention to the, you know, kind of the stuff other than the main story and the characters, you know, just blowing your mind with how talented these kids were. That was such beautiful, like with the, the moonlight kind of like twinkling down and how they caught it. I did think it was funny, though, because it's supposed to be only coming from one light source, and clearly, they're like, nah, make it look pretty. We yeah, need people no, to see this. But like at the same time, thank you for making yes. it look like that, because it looks amazing. <laughs> you can cheat it if it's going to look that good. Uh, yeah. And the very end where they he, he rips up the contract to, like, I don't know, sell their house or whatever to the bank and throws it up in the air. I always love... That's, like, one of the more cheesy parts of the film, and I still was like, meh, don't care. Yeah, no, it's fine. So what, uh, what are you putting in the museum? Are you putting am, that in there? No, no, no. Else? I am going to put the relationship between Chunk and Sloth. Sloth? You're gonna live with me now. I'm gonna take care of you. Because I love you. I love you, Chuck. Oh, I love you, Oh, okay, yeah, that would have been a great Saturday morning cartoon, for sure. Yeah, I just loved watching them, and how almost, like, Sloth made Chunk a better kid. Yeah. He's like, oh, we're gonna take you home, and you're gonna be part of it, and he's just... And I also love when Chunk gets Domino's Pizza, because I was like, woof, that's when Domino's Pizza was bad, bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have it in the 80s, but I had it in the 90s, and it still wasn't good then. It Until the reboot in 10 years ago, they were bad pizza. <laughs> Ooh, I remember it. I remember, ugh, 
bad. It was gross. Thank like, gross is a good word for that. Like it was nasty pizza. <laughs> Thank the spaghetti monster for Pizza Hut. <laughs> yes, in the nineties. Yep. Oh man. Oh man. Well, that is going to end. No, it's not. I no. have a story to tell. Oh, that's right. Finally, <laughs> like ten months in the making. Yes. So I do have this weird personal connection to Robert Davey, the star of this movie. And it all started when I first started with Horror Society. I got sent a movie to review that starred him along with uh, a couple other like B-rate actors for now. Like they were like 2016 B-rate actors, like not like 80 stars. I get this movie and I watch it. Uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, I'm going to name it because I don't care. It's called Black Rose. Don't ever do it. It's fucking the worst. So this is one of the first movies I get as a critic for Horror Society. Something I don't do very much anymore for them. I strictly do the events. But uh, I got this movie, watched it, wrote a review. Within my review, I point out Robert Davey. And I say, Robert Davey makes an appearance in this movie. Parentheses, remember that guy. Nothing super, you know offensive it's actually kind of tame yeah it was like remember that guy and it's a little bit of a jab like yeah remember this guy like where'd they dig him up from i didn't say that but it's kind of like that i could see where that could be misconstrued but then i go on to say this is one of those movies where robert davy plays a police captain who wants to send a thug out to get the criminals because the justice system has failed us and we need to go back to the old ways back to the streets and back to uh, you know, just killing people because they're bad and, you know, fuck the justice system kind of thing. And I point that out in a review and I say something along those lines. And I say he plays that captain in the movie. Now, Robert Davey, if you don't know, is notoriously very conservative. Just go on his Twitter. It's absolutely fucking insane. <laughs> like, not in like a way like I pick on conservatives and Republicans all the time. It's what I do. It's my shtick. But this is like the people that conservatives look at and go, this guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's he's that end. Is he's, he James Woods? Yes, he's oh, James Woods level. Like wow. all caps and like misspellings, all caps tweets about how Jesus. liberals are so stupid. Whatever. That's sort of some background on it. Review gets posted, gets a few shares, no big deal. And all of a sudden, I get like a few weeks later, I get an email from my head editor. And he's like, you got your first hate mail. And I was like, oh my God, I got my first hate mail. I'm so excited. And he's like, it's from Robert Davey. The Robert Davey. <laughs> and like, so I won't ever share it. I'm not that mean. I have Robert Davey's personal email address. So <laughs> get me drunk enough and maybe we'll talk. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, so I get this, I get the email that he just like forwards to me. The headline, like the subject for the email just says, of course you're from Chicago. <laughs> like, like that matters. <laughs> but like, I get, I see where his crazy conservative mind is going. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And then it's just the simplest email and it just says, Mark, which isn't my name, but okay. <laughs> 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 I hope I get to meet you one day. That's all it says. And it's just like, like disrespectfully yours, Robert Davey. <laughs> that is what the email says. So is he going to tell you off or beat you up? I'm assuming just looking at his Twitter, he wants to destroy me. <laughs> I think he wants to kick my ass. 
I've told I've told this story, and that's that's where the story ends. I just get this crazy email from Robert Davies that he wants to beat me up because I wrote a negative review about his movie and called out how it had like a conservative. Well, it's open ended. He doesn't even say what he wants to do when he meets you. Right? Does but he just like, want to walk up, shake your hand, and be like, "Bye"? I think he wants to fight. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm getting that impression from his Twitter. I get that email, whatever. I've told this story now several times to friends and people that know me and you know know how I like to pick a little bit and jab at uh, you know people that I don't agree with or whatever. And the best response I ever got to this story was, and I I, I think I know who said it, but I don't want to misquote. But uh, I'll update in the next week's episode. Somebody said, "Well, you know what that means, right?" I was like, what? I mean, like, Robert Davey wants to beat your ass. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, this is my, like, celebrity story that, like, Robert Davey wants to beat the shit out of me. And they just go, well, that means you're a goonie. (laughs) Oh, my God. Kick your ass. You're a goonie. (laughs) You made it. And, like, that was the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So, guys... I'm a Goonie, and a Fratelli wants my head. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, what a way to end theme song slash soundtrack September. (laughs) Even though it is actually theme song. We didn't celebrate any scores. We said they were all great. Yeah, but it's about the theme. Like, Goonies are good enough. Like, that's what we're talking about here. (laughs) What a great way to end on that story. Wow. Wow. No wonder you knew his name so quickly. Yes. Because is... I got an email from him. <laughs> a threatening email from Robert Davey. You, sir, are on a pedestal higher than most people I've ever met. I think I've made it, guys. <laughs> I don't think it gets any better than this. Wow, that's incredible. Oh, man. Uh, so what? Uh, what is our special next month? I think it has something to do with a, uh, a, a decent writer. Yeah, we're moving into Halloween month. We're getting into October here. And who, who writes spooky better than anybody else? Jack Nicholson. Besides him. <laughs> um, Starling King. Close. Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say his name. I was going to wait to see how long you'd be like, Jesus Christ, Steve. <laughs> well, well we've, we're trying to keep this one short. <laughs> Too late. Too late. But um, yeah, we're, we're moving on to Stephen King month where we're going to talk about some more known and some lesser known Stephen King. It's true. And uh, we'll see how they do because Stephen King is notorious for being involved with some really good ones and some not so really good ones. Yeah, this is going to be funny. This is going to be really weird. (laughs) This is going to be a really bizarre Stephen King month, but I am very excited to jump in next week with Children of the Corn. Oh, yes. We got Linda Hamilton in that. Yes. Children of the Corn. Come back. See what we thought of this 1984. So right kind of in the thick of the shit for Stephen King. Like this was like, this guy was everywhere. Rockstar Stephen King level. Everyone was buying up whatever story they could. Even if it was like 50 pages long. Right. And this is a short story. Yep. That we get. Of the same name, I believe. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, We are watching Children of Corn next week. Come back. Take a listen to that one. Our King October. Come back. You can rate and review us on iTunes, and please do. It really helps. You can listen to us on Podbean and all the other pod universe things. Like Google Play. YouTube. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, is he going to add? What you guys can't see is he like, he slowly creeped up to the mic. (laughs) 
That's what I got. Uh, so until next time. Remember to be kind. Rewind. Hey, Toxic here. And Meridon, too. We're the hosts of the Overleague podcast. Are you a fan of Overwatch League or just a fan of Overwatch in general? Well, if you are, we break down matches and all other Overwatch happenings, and we won't judge your main. Tune in every other Tuesday to the Overleague on Geekscape and wherever you get your podcasts.